Get Puck. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Get Pucks podcast. Dave, Vito, and Matt here. Apparently, I didn't see that we hit the start button. What's going on, guys? What's up? What's Pay up? Attention. Keep up. I, normally, the, okay, to be fair, real fast, normally there's a little thing that says... It, it said it. Yeah, but now it just said it. Anyways, all right, it's fine. Technical difficulties aside, let's talk about some hockey. Uh, okay, so obviously hot topics, you know, Zegris again. I feel like we were a little bit ahead of the curve on that one a couple episodes back. We had already talked about Zegris, so I'm going to possibly forego talking about that again. One individual I do want to talk about is Kirby Doc. Let's talk about Kirby Doc for a second. All right, he's back on the ice. We've seen the clips on uh, X or Twitter or whatever that he's skating around, and he's wearing uh, wearing more or less full uh, full equipment again, and this is a very good sign. But there's been a bunch of things that I've been reading and been listening to that I kind of wanted to get your guys' opinion on. And the big question about Kirby Doc is, is he your 2C? Does he foot, Does he fit the bill? Is he is he locked in now? Are we good there? Does Kent Hughes and Gorton look elsewhere to fill out the roster? Or are they also, and should, very importantly, be looking to upgrade at 2C? And so I just wanted to get your opinions about that. Gentlemen, what do you think? Is Kirby Doc your guy? Start next season. He's your 2C. Locked and loaded. Vito first, please. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I won't look to upgrade because at some point, like, you can't keep upgrading and hoping that you're going to get the guy. Now, with that being said, if all of a sudden they get a can't miss two C or a one C that brings Suzuki down to two C, then you kind of have to figure out what you're going to do with Kirby Doc. But right now, as it stands with the players they have, I'm okay with Kirby Doc being the two C. The only thing that sucks is we haven't seen enough of him in that position because he got hurt very early on in the season. So, um, but every. Everything we said, even when the Habs acquired him, I was stoked about it. I love the upside. I love the potential for him. I didn't care about all the the bad press that was coming with him with his injury history in Chicago. Chicago, we knew, was a mess at that point. Um, so it was actually a good thing that he left. They were not using him very well. You know, it was like 3C barely. Um, and it wasn't because of his talent. It's just because they wanted him to be something else. And they were actually suffocating his offensive power. So um, now him coming to Montreal and being the 2C guy where everybody sees he's got the upside to even be a 1C, I'm still willing to put some time and stock onto this guy to develop into the player that we hope he can be, to develop into the center that we we have seen glimpses of, even even at the end of last season and, you know, unfortunately just two games this year. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going into next season knowing that that position is reserved for Doc Unless they got somebody that is a can't miss home run one scene that shifts Suzuki down, okay, but that's Suzuki. but that's not going to happen. It's not so. Right? Doc so means- so let's take that scenario because of course that is a, a a very common thing that a lot of people suggest that like you can't not make calls if somebody's available or someone's potentially on the market. You got to kick tires. I get that, guys. I understand. I want to know though when you start looking at your roster. Right, and I think this is what you're pretty much getting to, and, and I'm in agreement. We'll get to Dave in a second that I feel is not in agreement, and that's kind of why I wanted to ask this. But at some point, you gotta you gotta put your chips in. This is a guy you got to be your two C. He's your two C. Yes, he's been injured. You, you got a first round pick for like in trading yeah. Romanov. 
to then go yeah. and acquire him and use a first round. And this uh, was your plan. This is you got to you got to ride that plan exactly. That's how I kind of feel about it. Also, Dave, tell us why we're wrong. I'm actually not going to say you're wrong. I think that the Canadians do have the luxury a bit of time in the sense that you know they get to see a little bit next year. It's not a it's not a pressing year. They get to see what they have in Kirby Doc. Now, do I pencil? Uh, do I pe put him in pen as a two C going forward? guy's played 60 games with the Canadians and he's coming off, you know, not so great years in Chicago, uh, some injury issues. And that didn't really end in Montreal. We could talk all we want about bad luck and whatnot, but I mean, they're there, right? He missed an entire season out of two. So uh, that's, that's, sure. that's a lot to say. So again, he was good for a short stretch or I guess a long, a longest stretch in one garbage season with the Canadians. I need to see more of it. I need to see more to see if you could rely on this guy being your two C going forward. And I don't think it should hinder any talks about bringing in another guy. I don't think you say, Oh man, Curry dog's got it so locked down that we don't need to spend any time looking at that position. I think that you have to do your due diligence, but at the end of the day, I'm willing to see what Kirby doc, how and how he develops at the, in that two C role. But guys, he's played sixty games. Like we need to see a lot more big, a bigger sample size before you can start locking him in as your two C. In my opinion, I, I, he's I also that's super, super fair though. But I think it's an important aspect to 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 remind people that you have to let him play. We have to know what oh, yeah. we have with him. And so, if that's going to be the case when he comes back next season, you can't be looking in the off season, and you shouldn't be prioritizing finding yourself a second center when you have a Kirby dog. He should no, be put there. He should be given the 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 length of rope required for him to see what he can do, right? I don't think I don't well, think it's the priority is to get to go and look for a two C or a one C. You know, if they happen to to get one and they land one that's like okay, this player is you know right right off the bat he's better than what we what they have. Then you go for it. The other thing too with Kirby Doc is you have the versatility of he's able to play wing if they don't acquire a certain center that's infinitely better and is a proven true number one or two center, not a Dvorak of the world. I'm talking about a proven one, and I can't think of a name off the top of my head right now. But just to say, then if you shift Doc to the to the left or to the right, that whole line just gets that much better because at the end of the day, it's easier for a center to go wing than it is for a wing to go I center. Think... We've seen that. It's been proven. It's been a horrible uh, test that we've done in the past. Uh, well, the Montreal Canadiens no, no, have done no, for, the past. So, for sure. I, so I wouldn't mind all of a sudden if they managed to get a proven 2C who was above 50% in the faceoff circle and, you know, and dock shifts to the left or the right, and then you have a new hook there to complement them, then that could possibly work too. But to make it a priority in the offseason, I think the Canadians have other um, other assets that they need to go and try in other positions that they need to address before they, they they go and say oh you know what uh the doc experiment that we were going for and our plan of him being our 2c because it looks like that was the plan uh it's done they didn't see enough of him if they would have gone 30 if you would have played 30 40 games and you would have had bad stretches would be like yeah you should really struggling down the middle then you change your plan a bit or you might have a different idea of what you're going to do i'm just i'm just asking the question because a lot of people have been really high on the first line Right, we've been talking about Montreal now has a first line. You've been hearing media, you've been hearing people. Okay, they had a bad game last game against uh, Buffalo, and the streak ended there for for both uh, Suzuki and Slavkowski for their point streaks um, at the time of this recording. But let's say you have your first line. A lot of people are suggesting, okay, you have your first line, but the Habs need everything else. Everything else, they need upgrades everywhere else. 
you always look to make your team better. But at some point, like I kind of take an exception with that statement a bit because you have players and you've got players that you need to put in spots. And that has to be the guy that's got to stay there for a bit to see what you have. I know Doc has been injured. I know he has a history of injuries. I know he didn't really exceed in Chicago, but there's context to that. He's been now in Montreal from when he has played in Montreal. He's been very, very good, both both at center and at wing. I just think that if you're going to start putting the roster together and you say your number one line is now locked and you got those three locked, because bear in mind, before he went down, a lot of people had Kirby Doc as that top line winger, right? Mm -hmm. And Slav was playing on a second line with nobody, right? And yeah. so now Slap all of a sudden finds chemistry and he's there. And now Doc kind of gets not put down the totem pole, but moved into the focal point of the second line. And so See, I, I disagree with put this. him there. I disagree with the statement that you said that or that people are saying that, you know, Montreal needs upgrades out, outside of that first line. You can't say that because the guy who was supposed to be our 2C and the distributor of all of that uh, and really drive that line is not there so they could have had two really strong lines even when monahan was there too they so in the end they lost the the main driver of the second line so Who, maybe they're talking who's the second line say he's not injured who's your second line of the canadians this this season right now well now here you go now you're gonna we're gonna answer that question the priority is gonna end up being on the right side because i don't put josh anderson there but it's it would be doc and new hook they went and pay another first round pick to add new hook to that second line most likely and I've said it when they acquired New York that he's a guy, the way he's built and the way he is, he's better suited for top six minutes. Not a number one, not a first line. So when you looked at it at the beginning of the season before Doc went down, okay, the hope was that Slavkovsky would have been the number one. We said it in previous episodes that eventually Slavkovsky was going to be the number one right winger or the number one left winger, depending how they wanted to shift that and depending how they were going to utilize it. Then what was the second line? We said, well, okay, Doc is definitely number two, uh, your number two center. And we were like, okay, New Hook is gonna be out there because he can't be a bottom, he can't be a fourth line guy. Then we were like, okay, it's gonna probably be Josh Anderson or Monahan that are gonna be on the right until Monahan gets traded, but or until they acquire somebody. That's the key piece there. That's where they need to focus. They need to go and get that winger for that second line. That's okay. where the focus needs to be. Or two, depending <laughs> what they what they do, but that's that's the focus. Because now Josh Anderson, it, it this year is a bad year. He's he's had a lot of chances. You know, I think the window of uh, the window of opportunity to trade him, if that was it was gone. I know that I was one of those people that see saw that he could have. He's got all the tools to make things work, but it just didn't work this year. He can create space and whatever. So I do think that the experiment is done. It's I don't want him as a top six right winger anymore just if he's on your third line creating space causing a bit of havoc and he's your third line right winger i can deal with that his cap while the cap yeah. is going up is not so bad it's is bad. not so bad but it's bad, bad. right now <laughs> but you know um you know that's gallagher <laughs> he's got demoted to the fourth line he's not keeping up so montreal's priority in the off season is addressing that right wing top six player that they're going to need and not and it has to be somebody that's offensively gifted it's got to be a talented person doc is your two he's, well, he's here, gonna... let me let me pick up what you just threw down and pose the question to dave mm -hmm. do they have to wait until the off season or does this trade deadline present the opportunity for them to go and get that guy fit the top six the winger that's missing 
Uh, I mean, you have to, you have, whenever you can swing that deal, you got to make it. I, I, you, you know, a lot of people are sold on this top line and, and, you know, they had a good stretch, but like, there's still a chance that this line doesn't produce at a level. Like you guys can't tell me that you haven't seen a, a, a 30, 40 game stretch of a good line. And then the next year you have to work on it, man. And you can't just be sold. This is your first line. We're good. We don't need talent anymore. We have our first line and, and potentially our second line. We need one guy all of a sudden. Like the Canadians are one offensive guy away from contending for a Stanley Cup. Well, oh nobody's seen contending for a Stanley Cup. No, that wouldn't jump that. But that's oh, the plan, right? What? You're doing a five-year plan. We're going to be on year three next year of, of Ken Hughes. You need to start formulating and molding your team. But but you that's need- it. You can't you can't constantly be looking to upgrade that top line, though. If you see the chemistry, now you have to see, even though they're going to have down spurts because they're a young line, if that's your line, it's your line. It changes the whole context when you're going out to the market. If you're looking to upgrade a number one line versus upgrade a uh, you know, two guys, there, the, there's a the big contenders difference. have number one guys on their second line. John Tavares puts uh, and William Nylander are going to put up a hundred points on a second line. Like you see it all the time. It's not just reserved for one line. And then the second line has a huge drop off anymore that you don't need to see that anymore. And if you're building your team that way, I, I, in my opinion, is the wrong way to build a team. You can't just stop looking for talent. Because all of a sudden you're guys. Oh, but nobody's saying nobody's suggesting that we stop. But you are. You're saying you can't. No, look we're forever. saying prioritization. If there's, like I'm saying, when okay, you go fine, into a maybe. game plan in an off in, in in the in the off season or at the trade deadline, and you're looking to swing for the fences, grand slam versus trying to get a respectable double or a triple, there's a difference. There's 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 a difference when you're out there and you're looking to make those trades because you're asking John Tavares and William Nylander are not available. You're not going to go get a trade well, for these kind not. of guys. But but you're 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 we're not talking about who's available. We're not you're talking about trying to find somebody and whether or not you should try to find or stop looking for a first line player because all of a sudden you have your first line. And that to me Never is a crazy stop way of looking. Thinking. Prioritization. Let's clarify. I'm saying they need to start prioritizing further down. They need to like prioritize more talent, guys. Guys, they need scoring talent, man. Like don't, it's, don't it's, disagree. It, it's crazy that you guys look at like a 20-game stretch where the first line is performing well, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're sold. We're sold at the first line. We're, no touch. The Habs have no, found they, the first line. How many times have, have you said that? Max Domi got 70 points. Oh, all of a sudden we found – like people drop off. People don't play. The chemistry stops. It, it happens all the time. You can't just be comfortable – Again, in a losing season where nothing means anything and people are not game planning with a first line like that, you can't. Well, it's like, it's like it's, by degree. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's Go like ahead. I said, the the Habs need to prioritize an offensive talent for the top six. I did say that, but when they're going to go into the off season or even at the trade deadline, which is less likely to, to happen because teams are strapped for for cash and all that, but when they're going to go in the off season, they're not going to be like, oh, let's look at what we're going to prioritize. Let's go get more defense. We have they have an abundance of prospects coming, so let's go focus on offense on, on top six offensive talent. But yeah. I don't disagree. That's what we've been saying. But right now you're looking at it and saying when you look at the whiteboard and they're doing their lines, they're gonna say, okay, we got our first, even if you want to shift them as a second line eventually because you got even more talent. But let's say that's our first line. Next year, we're gonna start the season opening opening day. These this is our line. We need to do something about that second line. The Bottom six has never been a problem for Montreal. They've always found players that okay, can so I, I'm confused. You guys are sold with your, you're sold with the Habs top line. You're sold with the bottom six. 
You're sold with Carbidac at center, and Vito, you're sold at New Hook at left, and you're sold under defense. I'm, so I, hold on. The I'm Habs are I'm, one right winger, second I'm, line right winger away sold. from being I'm, an amazing I'm, team. I'm, hold on. I'm, I'm, not sold. I'm not sold on New Hook. <laughs> I'm not sold on New Hook. I'm saying that New Hook was acquired. You got to give him the chance. But at the same time, New Hook was the type okay. of player that you can't grab him and be like, go be a fourth line player. He's I'll just not made. This game is not that way. So when you're looking at the lineup going into next season, what are they going to likely prioritize unless they make it this massive splash where they just overhaul everybody they just recently acquired? Okay. Is going to be like, okay, they're likely going to focus on getting a top six player for the right side for the but second one. That, obviously, that's that's their priority. But we're not ta- like we're, we're talking about like you, you said, are you comfortable with your top line and Kirby Dock at 2C? And then now what I'm hearing is that bottom six is fine, defense is fine. Kirby Baca 2C is fine. Top line is fine. So you're literally two players, borderline, unless New Hook hits, you're one context, away Hold on a second. The context, the context is very important, right? I'm comfortable with the top line as it is now that they don't have to go and look for prioritizing a top, top, top dog because of where they're at in the rebuild. I like to see this line continue to evolve and continue to grow and see more of that 20 game sample size and extend and see the chemistry and keep that going. But at some point, you gotta put your chips on the table and you gotta lock down a damn line. And that's my line. I want that to be the number one line and see where that's gonna progress in two more years. I think that all the talent in the world is there. I think the chemistry is building. Good. Now, today's point, I fully agree. You need more goals on this team. Do something. Find a way to get more goals. But that does you can get a guy who scores upwards of 30 goals, but he has lacks in defensive game and he has lacks elsewhere. And he's not a top, top dog, but he's a, he's a goal scorer. I want to find that guy. Get me that guy on that second line. Ryder. You want a Michael Ryder? I want a Michael Ryder type maybe a little bit more well-rounded i feel like this family yeah. has just been around average for far too long to to look at and the excitement is there for players like guys like i understand the top line's doing well it's doing fantastic okay but like that's not you you can't build you could build off of it, but you can't center it around the hope that this line stays like this amazingly going forward, and that's it. Let's I'm I'm fine with let's see what we can do, but it shouldn't stop you from going and prioritizing getting goals and getting okay. top end. Okay. Talent. Most of the offensive superstar talents of the, on the contenders that you're referring to were drafted. Okay, we can all agree to that. Most of yeah. them, like ninety-eight percent of them. Even the first overall pick that we have right now that seems to be finally having his coming out party, finally, I mean, it's, he's only 19 years old, is Slavkovsky. He was drafted first overall. So Montreal would have to draft, unless there's a guy out there that says, like, Tavares, you mentioned Tavares, I'm going to use that example, says, I want to go to Toronto. I don't care what you guys do, make it happen, I'm going to Toronto. You need somebody to say, I, I want to go to Montreal. I like where they're going, I see where what's happening with them, they have the right thing, I want to go to Montreal. Or it has to be somewhere where Montreal literally puts their chips in in a different way than what Matt's alluding to and says, I'm putting all my stock on this talented player. I'm going to give them the world. I'm going to go and acquire them. Guys, but none of that. None of teams like Vegas didn't, didn't draft anybody, uh, any of those guys. Uh, like Kachuk was traded. Uh, freaking Huberto, whatever. He's having a bad year, but he was traded. Like these guys get traded all but, the time. You yes, can go get those you're guys, not Mark Bergevin saying, oh, you can't get these oh, guys. Yeah, but hold on a second. Kachuk. Wanted out and said he wasn't okay. resigning. You don't think that that, that happens every year? How many how many stories? Dubois. The, the, every year there's a story. Oh, Dubois, Dubois, 
Don't talk to me about Dubois. I, I, I know about Dubois. You, you guys have to catch up, but I knew about Dubois, okay? I, but, but what I'm saying is these stories happen every year. Top end talent get moved. You just have to be the guy that gets them. And but you have capital, don't you? Don't you have you have your, your yes. currency that you're looking to spend? And if you're sitting there saying you're not sold on the top line, then that would mean you're going to be more tentative to spend some of this capital to go get a middling guy who can help you with goals but doesn't yes. really improve – but you gotta, you got, you can't keep holding your money. You gotta spend. You gotta make I a agree. move. I agree. But but if the move right now, if you're constantly sitting back saying I'm not sold on that top line, I think I think whatever Slaff is better suited for second line. He's not going to be, or Suzuki isn't really a one C, or whatever your thing is about that top line. If you're looking to improve there, then it would probably be more like, well, I can't really spend my big currency now because I got to hold it in case there's a guy somewhere who's going to fill that spot. You'll, you're going to become gun-shy to start doing something with your currency. I don't think so. I don't think that's it. I mean, I think the currency is worth what it's worth, and you only move it. You're not going to move your good currency for a, a middling player, right, just because you might have a big uh, prospect or, or someone in mind coming going forward. I think you move it. And the another point about this is that the teams that make these trades are the teams that are already in a position of strength. They're not desperate because desperate teams can't swing these deals, which is why Bergevin never found his 1C because everybody knew – he was looking for a 1C and everyone was looking to swindle him. And that's why it never worked for him. But if you look at all these teams and, and, and where do all these players go? They go to a good teams that already have solid lines in place. And you, you always deal from a position of strength. And right now, the Canadians seemingly from the outside looking in have a good top line, a solid, real NHL top line. Now is the time to go try and make those moves. It's not when, oh man, everyone on my top line is struggling. Let me go look for, for, for help. You're going to get swindled. You're going to get... Well, what does it take to make a move like that? Like, for example, you mentioned about Vegas, right? What did Vegas pay to get Eichel? Yeah, they paid a lot, but you have to do it. You have but to. But the rebuilding is now the time to do a move like maybe that? not now, no. But there, you could. You you shouldn't just wait to when you're just a piece away. Like Jack Eichel is going to help the Vegas Golden Knights for years and years and years to come. Like you, it, Vegas didn't wait. Like you know, I, I guess they were already Cup contenders. Vegas is a very weird uh, example, yeah. a team to to, <laughs> to to pull as an example, but. They were a team. They didn't just say like, oh, we'll be better in two years. Let's wait on Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel became available and they made the move. And that's what the Canadian. I'm not saying that they should work their, like call every single thing. Like if something, a situation arises, they shouldn't just sit back and be like, nah, we're good. We, we have a first line. We don't Always kick tires. I mean, it's the same thing we've heard about the Zegers thing, like a oh, five teams call, right? From Pierre Lebrun, you said five teams call to see what's up. And Montreal is one of them. You always kick tires. You always do your job. I'm not saying don't do your job. I'm just saying that I believe at some given point you have to go like Vito's saying on your whiteboard and you got to put names there and you got to say that's that's it now I need to prioritize elsewhere which means I'm not calling and I'm not looking around for the disgruntled superstar on another team to give an overpay to go bring that guy in I want to go bring a guy in who's not a 110 point player but I want a guy who if he plays here under our structure with this line he could be an 80 point but player there's, there's nothing stopping you from doing that as well as as, as looking out See, for a well, big fish I, I disagree I think you have other. to prioritize but it is one or the other why is it one or the other they have a because ton of it assets. changes it changes how you go about doing your dealings if the guy if you want both and you got the currency to only spend for one, but they and don't. a guy they who's of the 80-point value is there, and he's like, well, give me everything, and he's yours, 
you're like, yeah, but I kind of also guys, want the bigger dog. So you don't pull the trigger. Guys, the Habs have like a highly touted draft uh, prospects in their in their system right now that uh, apparently all the teams are calling on. They have a ton of defense. They have a ton of draft picks. Like the capital is there to make moves. You're not trading like the, over the next three years. They have how many first round picks? Four or maybe more. I don't. I, so uh, you're not three. trading four first round yeah. picks for a middling no, guy. Four. You're not yeah. trading four first round picks for a middling guy, right? No. So, so they, they've what, got four first round picks in the next two years. Yeah. In the next two and years, Calgary and, uh, and 24, Winnipeg. 23 picks total over the next two years. So let's three talk years. three years. Three years, you have five first round picks. You're not dealing that for a meddling guy. So you could go get your meddling, your middling, your mid. I don't say why. why I say meddling. <laughs> meddling, middling. Okay, your middle guy. Yeah, you're not, you're not trading guy. five first round picks for that. You're not trading your top prospects for that. So you can go get that and still have pieces to move to go get bigger fish down the line. I think it's crazy to think that way. I think it's crazy to say like, no, we're so stuck that we're just going to sit on this and get a get a second line winger. Hope he develops no, no, perfectly. No, no, hope our Kirby Doc doesn't get injured again. Hope he de- hope he develops into the second line center and see what's going for. Because the years are 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 the years are are creeping up, man. It's going to be year four before you know it, and then all of a sudden the pressure's on and and er- everything's starting. And you, that's when you start making panic moves at, to try to save your job or to try to get things going. And that's when you you're in a position of strength. I firmly believe. Right now, the Canadians are in a position of strength to be making some moves. I think you could bring 100 Habs fans on this podcast. We wouldn't have enough space on the screen, but you can, and all 100 are going to say they need high offensive talent. You could bring every analyst of the Montreal Canadiens, and they're, uh, they're going to come out and say the same thing. They need that, that one player that takes them over the edge. That, 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 you know, you know, that's why you're hearing the names of sometimes people are talking about, like we spoke last episode, the Kaprizovs of the world. And the, you need that one star, that name, that player that not only is the name, but comes with the package that's going to take the next the top six to an entirely different level. I don't, we don't disagree on that. All of us are going to agree on that. But when I'm looking and I'm making the lines to start them with the current roster that they have, there's a massive hole and a question mark on the right side in the top six. Whether you want to move Slavkovsky down or you want to keep that line intact, which I would keep that line intact, because eventually you got to stop shuffling the lines if you don't want to keep, you know, using the blender for that stuff. That's where you have to look and say, we whether it's free agency, whether it's via trade, whether it's draft, they need to get that player. They need to get that player that you look and say, okay, our top six, this is our lock going into 2020, uh, the 2024-2025 season. We need to round out the rest of the team and address other play, places and, uh, and other positions. That's where, that's why, that's why I keep saying there's. It's not they're one or two players away from going and contend for the cup. But right now, if we're looking at the roster in this rebuild, that's the focus. The focus has to be finding because the Josh Anderson, the Gallagher's of the world, it's not working to be in the top six. It's done. But got to stop. The question, I don't think, in my opinion, was it was not what's what's the only thing it's, that you need to do in, in the off season. Like, no, it's the top, it's no, no, it's, we're twenty five minutes in. That's where I went with my question. But it real, really, realistically, this is the domino effect of that question, and it's good that we went down this road because it's not that simple. People saying, "What do you have in Kirby Doc? Are you comfortable Kirby Doc being your two C? You haven't seen enough. This, that, whatever." A lot of people taking the stance that you got to give them the time. You got to see what's going to be there, and now is the time to do that because they're in the rebuild. So don't go out. Don't start really looking hard for an improvement there. Pencil him in and see what you got. 
I think, yeah. and that's the big, that's the big thing. Dave's point. He's right. I mean, you always look and do they need the superstar? Absolutely. And should you always be calling? Absolutely. I'm just kind of thinking it's kind of where I think you're also at Vito, where you gotta, you gotta leave what you have that's gelling and give it its time to gel. And they're not close to their ceiling. Yet. You don't know what you have in Sloth, in Caulfield, even in Suzuki. They might even take another step, two steps, or maybe this is it. But you even don't if they know, do. you gotta give it the time. But guys, even if they do, is it so bad that you now you have if you go out and get a guy and then all of a sudden Nick Suzuki takes the next step? Are you really saying, like, oh man, Nick Suzuki took a step, we're screwed now? No, you're even no, better. Nobody's you're saying even that. better hands. Nobody's and, saying and that, that's but the at the same time, is that, is that you gotta let these guys grow. They're gonna grow whether you have another superstar on your team or not. They're not just gonna. They're not just gonna be stagnant. Oh man, time, they want to go get a star. I'm gonna stick at 60, <laughs> 60 points a year for the rest of my career. For the first time in in for as long as I can remember, you can look and say Montreal Canadiens have a line that literally could stay there, stay in place, and say that's your first line for now. Doesn't mean that the first line can't, that exists today can be shifted down to the second line because they went and get three other players that became uh, that are far more talented and just you know contribute more. Nobody's saying that, but. We don't we don't have a duo. It's not just a duo anymore, or one player that can drive everything and feed it to a bunch of guys that on other teams would be a, a fourth line player. Like Montreal has had several of those over the years. You know, for the longest times, Montreal centers have been. I've said it: Placanets, Dayarnet, Dano, uh, you know, etc. And it's like, how are these? Like, what are we doing here? Now we can look and say we've got a first line. Now the only people, the only debate is: is Nick Suzuki a first line center, or would he be better uh, as a second line center? That's our our conversation now. We can actually say we've got somebody. Hey, in a that's perfect in world, they go and spend all the draft capital and get superstars across the board, and our present first line becomes the second line. Today's point, yeah, I'm not going to be upset about that. That's a great scenario. I I just think that it's about prioritization. Really, that's my key word that I'm focusing on because at the end of the day, you have players, you have albatrosses on this team like Anderson right now, Gallagher, Dvorak, for example. Where do these guys go? They make far too much money. And they, sh well, a but you got to find a way how, right? That's a priority. A priority is Matheson, for example. This is another polarizing guy. You got half the fan base that hates this kid and wants him jettisoning to the moon, and the other half's like he might have the most points for a defenseman since Markov, and Who's he's your number one defenseman. I don't know, oh, man. I, Everywhere I, I, I read, it. people are like, "Get Matheson out of here. He's terrible." Matheson okay. has Hold blinders on. on. He Hold doesn't on. see Slavkovsky on. on the power play. Matheson is useless okay. defensively. Maybe on his Hold role. On. Maybe in certain roles, he's 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 not the greatest Whoa. answer to a lot of I, things. But I don't know if there's a hated. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm telling you, it, I find I find the conversation and the a lot of people, and I think the dialogue about Matheson is an incredibly interesting one because I think if you take a poll across the fan base, you are going to find smack dab down the middle. Yeah, half the fan base looks at him as a one-two defenseman who you keep for the longevity of his career, and the other half wants him gone as soon as humanly possible while he's hot. It's it's crazy. There's no middle ground. I find you know, there's, well, no middle ground. there's only one way to figure out if this is true, and that is to do an X poll as soon as this episode ends and I <laughs> pose that question to our fans. What, do I you hate Matheson? Is that what you're going to put? That's what Matt's, Matt's it's, see, it's Listen, I'm taking, it. yes, I'm taking what I'm reading. I don't see the words like, I hate this player, but I'm seeing majority of the comments are either keep him forever, he's the best defenseman we've had in forever, 
he's going to put up close to 60 points, go find another defenseman that can do that, and they'll work on his defensive game. And the other half is you got to get rid of him now because he's going to be a liability defensively. He doesn't fit the mold. He's he's not a quarterback on the power play. Don't get blinded by his points. Strike while the iron's hot. Move him. Well, I think that's I think, it. Okay. I think a lot of the people, and if he is getting some hate, which I haven't seen, but if he is getting some hate, it's likely because what you're seeing from this guy is that it's very reminiscent of Jeff Petrie. It's a guy who was miscast, and in an ideal situation, yeah. Matheson is, is on the second pairing and probably driving the second power play, okay? Not the first guy, not the go-to guy. And while he is putting up the points, there's been many defensemen throughout the history of the NHL who have been offensive producers and weren't so strong in the defense uh, in terms of the defensive game. Matheson is actually pretty good. He's a very good skater. It, it's there's no reason to hate him, but I think that a contingent of this fan base wants to see the trades. Wants to see, oh, you know what? Do it. Trade him right now because you could get a fir another first round pick or you could go get something pretty big, you know, and things things like that. They want to see that type of, like, get ready for the draft because it's a rebuild year. Move. He's older. By the time they're ready, I get that. By the time Montreal is ready, where is Matheson going to be at? But you, at the same time, you can't have a roster full of kids, and he is very good for the Montreal Canadiens right now. There's no reason to move on him unless somebody comes out and blows them out of the water with a, with a trade that's like, a, I, we have to. We don't want to, but we have to, okay? And I don't see any team right now that's going to be able to absorb his cap Give that kind of package that these fans um, think that Montreal is going to get for Mike Matheson today. So it's you're better off keeping him. And even if you move him, then what are you going to do? Who are you going to have next year and the year after that to play on the right side? Another kid? It's going to be Jaden Struble all of a sudden moving up to the top pair? Like, you can't do that. So um, it's, it's more about the people wanting to just see the trade happen because I think – I'm sorry to bring up Josh Anderson again – but I think there's some PTSD there because last year was the window of opportunity to really move him and maximize uh, your return for something like Josh Anderson. I think this year his value to a certain degree has plummeted. And I think that people think that that's what's going to happen to Mike Matheson. Ahead, yeah, Dave. I mean, I can see that. I, look, Mike Matheson, I didn't even know this was an issue, to be honest. And uh, maybe I'm not on the same uh, Reddit sites as you guys are. But Mike Matheson is obviously miscast as a top-line center. A uh, top-line center. Top uh, top defensive pairing. I, I And anyone who doesn't see that is, is is you know, blind. He's obviously miscast. He's perfectly suited. At, and he does perfectly well. I and mean, he's a guy from here. He's a hometown boy. Leave Mike Matheson alone. He's doing That's fine. That's the cap. His cap is very digestible when you yeah, think of where the exactly. cap is going and what he's producing. It's a very digest like how many NHL defensemen are you gonna get that are 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 uh mobile and productive like he is and at four point eight seven five million, under five million dollars. And he's developed the, the worst part is this he's developing well. Like I I know it's gonna be too probably too late by the time they contend, but he's developing well. I mean he's he's improving. He's his play is not going downhill, in my opinion. So he guys, has, they treat they treat forty one points. Hold on a second. He has 41 points in 56 games this yeah, season. Very good. Right? So, so you tack on another another 20 plus 25 plus games. I mean, he could hit close to 50 something points for the season. Yeah, it's a lot. It's he's it a point producing offensive defenseman. That said, I understand he plays for the Canadians, and I know that plus minus for a lot of people is a very polarizing topic. But he's a minus 18. He's 29 years old. Rebuilding year. Okay. Yeah. But the, yeah, but, but 
maybe what I'm seeing, I know a lot of people and I know that the fun fact of social media and the anonymity of people get really like, you know, crazy when they see something like I know the biggest thing they talk about is him on the power play and ignoring Slavkovsky and taking shots from the blue line through 19 different people and not looking for the outlet. I get it. And that's why you, you want to send him to the moon. I understand. But he is an offensive, talented defenseman. He is also 29. You just said it. In four years or in three years when this team is competitive, is Mike Matheson on your team? Do you see him here? And if he's not, then maybe he is. Maybe now is the time. Hold on. Jeff Petrie was traded well into his 30s, and we got Montreal got two returns for him. So when the time comes, if Mike Matheson is still producing at the rate that he's producing now, they're going to have no problems trading him. You think that because you put him on the trade block with two years as, or with another two years remaining after this season at 4.875 that every team can just fit Mike Matheson in? Even if you're going to move him, it won't be at the trade deadline. It's an off-season move. On top of that, you're going to talk about plus minus. Yes, it's a polarizing topic, so I'm not going to dive deep into this. But Montreal is currently, today, set, uh, would be drafting seventh. They're a bottom eight team. Did you really expect, when you're watching this team, that their players are going to be a plus 20-something? No. They're going to be in the minuses more often than not because they're losing more often than not. They're allowing more goals. They just went through two games over their last, what is it, 10, 15-game stretch where they allowed seven goals. Hmm. What, do you, what do you expect? It's a rebuilding year. Everybody, I look at I, this, I don't even look at the plus-minus for this team because hmm. they should be all minuses right now. I don't disagree in the slightest. In fact, if anything, I want Mike Matheson to stay. I'm simply seeing what's out there, which I find Speaking curious, and I... I'm 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 presenting you voice things the voiceless. to see what's up. I know because I disagree with the voices, but I just happened to see it and I thought it was fascinating why he's getting so much of this kind of either really dislike or really like. Most I think people it's are kind of like meh. You know what I mean? I think it's in the moment, uh, Matt. It's it's like when when you're seeing that play in the middle of a game where you see someone like Slavkovsky that was totally open and he didn't pass it because he got the had the blinders on or whatever, people are saying. That's what, like, oh, if you were to pass it to well, yes and no, right? It's those moments that are leading to people to feeling the way that they're feeling, certainly. But it's the fact that he makes these moments happen often that, that you keep hearing about it and you keep seeing it. If it was one game, people would be like, oh, my God, it was so bad, and you'd move on. But he does have the tendency. Let's be, let's be very frank about this. Mike Matheson is not a defensive stalwart. He, he's not a good defensive defenseman. He lacks defensive qualities mm -hmm. for a defenseman, but he is an offensive producing defenseman on a team that desperately needs offense. Moving. He's a puck moving yes. defenseman. So that's his role. And off the rush. That's that's my point. The my problem point is, is when you see him do these things, you got to give the, him a bit of slack. The problem is, is that again, we're in a rebuilding team and he's miscast. Because if we weren't a rebuilding team, okay, if the Montreal Canadiens weren't in this rebuild. And they had all their pieces in place. You wouldn't see Mike Matheson on the top pair eating 24, 25 minutes a game. He would have been on the second pair. And you'd look and say, we got Mike Matheson on the second pair. And don't forget what they traded to acquire him. If he was a first pairing top elite number one defenseman and Montreal would have actually acquired him, it would have cost a fortune. Not a Jeff Petrie and a bunch of other things. A bunch and of other things. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, at the end of the day, he is doing exactly what we expected to. In fact, I would even say he's doing more than what we expected to. Because a lot of people, those same fans yeah. are saying get rid of and clamoring probably 
saying to get rid of Mike Matheson, were probably saying it was the dumbest move they could have done. Mike Matheson is going to be a bust. He's going to be this. And it's two seasons. He's 40-plus points, and he's uh, been a good room guy, and he's signed for less than $5 million. He's signed for less than even Jeff Petrie. I'm sorry to bring up Jeff Petrie again, but that's what got him Mike Matheson here. So well, I, what, I, I what are you going to treat? Go get another first-round pick. What are the Montreal Canadiens going to do with another first-round pick? It's going to be another asset for them to go trade and something else. You probably, what? What? You can't be well, just kids. Listen, listen. <laughs> Whoa. To be Tell fair, guys, for feel. those who don't know, we pay veto uh, by Jeff Petrie mentions. So yes, that's how he's working. That's it. <laughs> I got listen, four bucks. <laughs> I got I got a bunch more things to ask, but we're kind of pushing on our time now. So instead of asking you guys, I'm going to ask this to anybody who's listening out of curiosity. Feel free to comment about anything of the things that you heard and about how you feel about Doc. We'd be curious to see that in the comments, if you're comfortable with him at 2C or should the Habs really keep going out and finding improvements there, um, as well as Matheson. What are your feelings about it? Am I just following the wrong people and I'm getting the wrong sense and that everybody here seems to love him? Or do you guys also see a lot of the the concerns with Matheson and you would like to move him as soon as possible. We'd like to know those. In addition to the third question that was not asked here, but I'm just curious, what would you do? How would you deal with the three following players? Gallagher, Anderson, and Dvorak. Because oh, they boy. do not fit on this team anymore, but they are too big of contracts with too much term. And I would love to know what kind of sorcery you guys can come up with those listening and you two for next episode, by the way, to let me know, how do you deal with this? Because Gallagher on the fourth line, Anderson being invisible and Dvorak, hurt. you know, hurt, Again. but like, let's be real. Um, what do you do? What do you do with these three guys? I would love to know your feelings about that. So please let us know in the comments as well. And if you haven't already considered liking and subscribing, thank you so much for that. We've been noticing a big uptick and we really, really appreciate it. So gentlemen, for Dave and Vito, I'm Matt. And this was Get Pucked.